Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morrison and Kelly Soika. Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We have broken ground on the first co-housing project in Texas, in Houston, and even ahead of Austin. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Lynn. Hi, everybody. Well, today we wanted to get back to some interviews with our community members because we have a bunch of fascinating people in our community and we really enjoy chatting with them. So we dragged in today our friend PD. Hi, PD. <laughs> Hi. He graciously agreed to come and um, and talk to us a little bit about his background, both professional and personal, and how uh, it brought him to co-housing. So this is Peter P.D. Walder. He is a homesick Texan, another homesick Texan. There are a lot of them out there. They, like the spring migration, eventually all kind of filter back to Texas. So he did. He found himself returning home. I'm going to use air quotes around home. Um, a time in his life when uh, he was trying to build community and find community in this in this new old place to him. Um, PD is also a licensed psychologist who specializes in child and adolescent psychology, but whose practice has taken him through marriage and relationship relationship counseling. Um, and now he works with veterans. So his background is extremely diverse and fascinating, especially to us who are building an intergenerational community. He kind of uh, spans the ages. So mm -hmm. with that, hi, PD. How are you? Hi, Kelly. I'm good. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. So, so PD, I think that Kelly has just barely scratched the surface on just your wide, multifaceted patchwork quilt of a background. You've got a lot more to say than just that. And I was just fascinated when you started telling me the first time I talked to you about your Texan roots and all the different avenues that led you to your current career. And I was wondering if you could just illuminate a little bit, go way back to the beginning for some of our listeners, because it is really pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I come from an old, I, I think an old Texas family. Um, I grew up in Wharton, Texas, which is down um, Highway 59 from here, um, about an hour away. It's rice and cotton growing country. Um, my great grandfather, was a Jewish peddler who came to Wharton uh, through Galveston, I think, mm. and then sent for the family in Europe. And we've been there since I think the late 1800s yeah. um, and uh, built kind of in built kind of a little Jewish community out in the uh, rice fields, cotton fields. Um, and uh, I grew up there. I uh, uh, went to but I, I, you know, I, I never really felt like I fit in there. I mean, being Jewish in Southern, rural Southern Texas was uh, kind of like a fish out of water. I bet. Um, and uh, I went to college first in California, um, in, in Southern California, and then graduate school in Massachusetts. Um, and I, you know, kind of seeing the world and, or at least kind of, seeing other things. And then I came back to UT to do my PhD when I decided to be a psychologist. Um, and I loved Austin. I had actually gone to boarding school in Austin mm. uh, and uh, I just loved it. And, and I met my partner in Austin, uh, my husband um, in the nineties. Uh, and 
I had to pick a place to do an internship, a one-year internship. And I thought, you know, I'm going to live my, the rest of my life in Austin, probably. Mm-hmm. So let's find an interesting place to go for a year to do an internship. And I thought, well, you know, I've lived on the West Coast, I've lived on the East Coast, but I've never really lived in the Midwest. So let's go to Chicago for a year. Mm-hmm. And I picked a hospital in Chicago and uh, we went there for a year and just kind of fell in love with Chicago. Wow. Um, yeah, and all was, that cold and snow and <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I thought and huh. um it was kind of the cold was kind of exciting um and we love the architecture and the arts and the mm. theater and um I just loved it and hmm. I, we ended up staying in Chicago for about 20 years wow and, and um it was only when uh and we got legally married uh, when legal marriage uh, was possible. And then we got, uh, then right around our 25th anniversary, he told me he wanted to get legally divorced. Oh dear. And that was not nearly as much fun. Yeah. (laughs) And so actually my, it kind of, my world just kind of collapsed right after we got divorced, right after he told me he wanted to get divorced. Mm -hmm. My mother got very sick and died kind of, quickly and just it felt like my world just kind of collapsed and I came back to Texas uh, to be with my family Um, my father was all alone I was all alone Um, my father decided to leave Wharton and come to Houston uh, and I was going to live with him Mm -hmm. and we were going to be two single men together (laughs) who had never really been single in our lives. You were going to have your own little community, huh? Yeah, it was just going to be the two of us. And he found a girlfriend right away. (laughs) 80-something-year-old men are hot commodities. Um, That guy doesn't mess around, does he? (laughs) He doesn't. And he (laughs) happens to be a really wonderful man. I'm not surprised. Oh, that's great. But it was a lot of culture shock for me coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it really hard to to make a community here mm-hmm. um, and not too long after I came back COVID started um, and I it was just really hard to make a community I I kind of thought I would see my family more than I did but you know as you reach middle age you kind of have your friends and you have your routines and most of my cousins um, had children of their own, they had lives of their, their own, and we really didn't have all that much in common anymore. Um, it, so, it, you know, I, it was hard to kind of break into even my own family in, socially. Um, we just didn't have that much in common anymore. Is that uh, when you um, found Cohousing Houston? Is that kind of the timeline of? Yeah. Um, Sort of. Uh, it was during COVID. I had, I had found a boyfriend here mm-hmm. um, right before COVID, and kind of COVID forced us to kind of, you know, quarantine together, and it yeah. kind of. So we got really close, um, and I I joined a reading group that was reading books about uh, green stuff, ecology mm. stuff, mm. and. and the idea of co-housing came up in that group and somebody said, you know, I hear there's a co-housing group starting in Houston. 
and somebody gave me a name and I looked it up online and that was how I connected with Go Housing Houston. That's awesome. Oh, wow. I didn't know about the reading group. I, yeah, I didn't know about that. You know, though, I remember, PD, you telling us a story about how you had heard about co-housing, though, even before you came. So I wonder if, like, your previous experience, if it resonated with you differently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was visiting a friend in Boston uh, about 15 years ago, and she and her wife uh, had lived in co-housing and raised two daughters in co-housing. Mm-hmm. And so I knew of it through their lives. And I knew how how much they enjoyed it. And they were talking about in Boston how there were several co-housing communities and that was really hard to get into, that it long mm. was people wanted to get into it. And um, and I just knew, I knew when I saw it there that that was the kind of life that I wanted. I loved the way they shared things. I loved their community dinners. I loved, I, I just loved the sense of community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That extended family. Mm. Yeah. Nice. I, it kind of, to me, whenever I was over there, it kind of reminded me of being in college again, just the way that um, people interacted, um, the way that you kind of saw friends all over the place and yeah. um, the casualness that people would drop by. And um, I, I, I just think that's, I, 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 I love that. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I socialize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my previous community, they would call it uh, summer camp for adults. You know, it's like yeah. everybody. <laughs> you still have like the things you need to do, right? You got to keep your bunk clean. You got to yeah. like come to meals, do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, it's right. Fun, with a sense of fun and yeah. yeah. So, so PD, I'm just wondering, um, you know, how does this in any way or does it resonate with what you know? you've learned through your professional life about how it fits in with mental health or inoculation against isolation, or can you say a little bit about your perspectives on co-housing with that background? Well, sure. Um, you know, just as a, as a society, we've become so isolated. Mm -hmm. Um, COVID hasn't helped. Um, and we, or, you know, one thing I've been thinking about a lot is one of the things that that was a sticking point in my marriage was how often my spouse, my husband, would kind of uh, put a break on our social life. Oh, because wow. There were things that he just didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say, let's go to this party. We were invited to a party. He didn't want to go and I didn't want to go by myself. And so oh. we didn't go. And that co-housing, I could be, I could have a partner and maybe he doesn't want to do something. I can grab somebody else um, and go. I I love that idea um, that just because my partner doesn't want to do something and I don't want to go alone, I have a community of people. One of them might want to go with me. I I don't like doing things by myself um, and it would probably improve my social life. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be so resentful of my partner, you know, if he's really introverted, um, not wanting to do things. You know, PD, you really speak to me in that. And I, I'm going to actually steal that for some of the conversations that I have, because during COVID, I often would tell my husband and my daughter, like, I'm firing you two. Mm -hmm. You are, 
<laughs> yeah. Cause I, you're not enough for me and I'm stuck here with you and I want to go out and I can't go anywhere. And when we live in co-housing, I'm going to be in the common house. I'm not going to be here with you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and you said it much more yeah, nicely than I have. I'm really I'll, see, I'll see you there in the common house, PB. <laughs> well, just, you know, we're talking about going to see a movie. Somebody posted something about seeing a movie at the uh, yeah, Kelly did. Arts next weekend. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing um, I, I'm really looking forward to. Yes. Um, just having events and opportunities to socialize and um, having stuff to do. I, I, I think co-housing as a single person is a ideal way to have my own space, but to have things to do, have opportunities to do things, um, to be with other people and you know, to be single, but not lonely, yeah. uh, to have a kind of community around me, um, people um, to share things with, um, to, I, I love the intergenerationality of it. I love mm-hmm. having kids around me. Um, especially kids who aren't mine that I can help <laughs> um, You can send them home. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I just, I, to me, you know, I know it's, it, it's not going to be the ideal place that I imagine, but um, I just like the idea of sharing and, and being part of a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, those things are all true to me from my experience Mm -hmm. living in co-housing. So it may not be ideal in exactly the picture that you are imagining, um, but it will be ideal in a way that is um, like that old Lego ad where a kid is like holding a pile of Legos and they're like, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it's beautiful. You know, (laughs) that's true of co-housing. Like sometimes you're like, I don't understand why this works or why we're even doing this one thing, but whatever it is, it's because we're all doing it. So it's beautiful and interesting to us. You know, it's what we Mm -hmm. all want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, PD, I was interested too, you know, um, we've talked about how to reach out particularly to the LGBTQ community, because you've said that living in Texas is not, you know, especially parts of Texas is not a safe space for people with families that look different from, you know, what, what one group thinks they should be looking like. And, um, and so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that kind of how, how structurally, how does that work? How does the community um, build a safe space so that families of all kinds can, and individuals of all you know, walks of life might be able to feel safe or feel heard in our community? Well, like if, how can I put it? Like the last four years, um, if you weren't a Trump supporter, Mm -hmm. uh, if you were in a public place, you didn't want to say that too loudly because you didn't, you knew nobody's going to hit you, but you knew people would, you might really be offending somebody and they would kind of look at you funny or, yeah, you know, you just couldn't, you just couldn't say that. Yeah. You know, without, I, I can't put it, you just couldn't say it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really it inhibits your own, it inhibits your kind of just expressing what you want to ex- express. I, right. I, I, I find that, I share that. I find that. Mm-hmm. So gay yeah. people, that's how gay people have felt forever. I mean, what, what, what 
people who didn't like Trump felt for the last four years. Mm. People have felt for there, there are four years of discomfort. Now multiply right. that by yeah. a lifetime. So you're right. talking about a lifetime. Right. That's that's what we feel like. We we don't really mm. expect people to hit us, but you know, people like talking under their breath or look at those mm. two. You, you know what I mean? Yes. Does that yes. make sense? Yeah. Yes, sure. Um, and to have a place where you can just relax, you know, and just not, um, uh, you know, I remember I was telling you the first time that I called Lynn um, uh, for information. And she, she asked me if I had a partner and she, she asked me, it was, she was very generic about the pronouns. And it just made me know that no one was going to make assumptions. Mm-hmm. They were curious about who I was, but they weren't going to assume anything. Um, made me know how welcome everybody was going to be. Yeah. And I've continually felt that, you know, I don't, I don't think everybody there is going to be marching in a parade, but um, <laughs> I think, they might be. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, wait, why can't we do that? That I think that sounds awesome. I want that for my girls. We're going to have a co-housing Houston float in the parade. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh, my kids but, could get a rocket ship for the parade, the pre-COVID. So. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I was a flag bearer. <laughs> but we're definitely a safe place for people. That's yeah. Um, we're definitely a place where, where uh, it, there's never a question of, of feeling welcomed or, mm-hmm. um, and I know as I get older and, you know, no kids, um, having kids around is important to me. Um, that uh, I think it's ideal for, for LGBT people. Um, yeah. That's wonderful. You know, you, you know, hit there, PD, that I think about a lot. Like, I remember one time, um, I don't even remember what the question was, but the community needed to know something. And um, my husband, Mike, didn't, it wasn't there. And I, and I said, oh, well, I can just tell you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, okay, well, thanks, but we're going to ask him because we, you know, <laughs> approach each person as an individual. In yeah. the and I thought about that a lot that, you know, as uh, it's kind of a, a privilege that I would just take to speak on his behalf that isn't really appropriate. And then puts me in a kind of uh, weird position as always being linked with this other person and then always being defined as like the wife in a marriage and blah, blah, blah. And that causing is in some ways a way of breaking away from those roles and those identities, because really I'm just me. I am one community member. I'm, you know, sure. I live with other people. I have relationships in the community, but when it comes down to my voice in a discussion, I'm just me as one community member. Mm-hmm. So your comment made me think about that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love the way that uh, we make decisions, the, the idea of consensus, but, but we're also not kind of uh, handcuffed by it. You know, the way that we, we're going to try for consensus. And if that doesn't work, you know, we'll go some other way. Yeah. Um, I like that, that we have that as an ideal, but we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to die for it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a goal, not a weapon. Because sometimes right, it can be a right, weapon. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I'm really impressed with, you know, we're, our places in a community with a strong ethnic flavor. And we're committed to, to keeping that. Uh, mm-hmm. to be good neighbors. I, I, I just, 
you know, I love the intentions that we're going in with. Um, it feels like, like everything is being very thoughtful, um, blending in and being good neighbors. Um, it, it just, it's all my values. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Oh, you know, I've got, um, I don't know if you're about to say something, Kelly, but I was just thinking about a couple of takeaways for me. Go ahead, Lynn. Yeah. Sure. Well, I, I was just thinking how um, a couple of thoughts spinning through my head. One is that people, when they look at look at our faces, you know, on the website, they they question just how diverse they are, and then we start cracking open everybody's you know personal case in history, and we realize, oh my gosh, here's this guy, you know, who was a Jewish peddler's grandson in the rice paddy in South Texas, who ended up, you know, being a gay man who got married to another man. And I mean, all these things, this is like a very, very different, colorful life experience that's coming together here. And that is really enriching our perspectives and the way we interact with each other. And I think the other thing that really is a big takeaway for me is it's really nice to hear somebody who is more recent to the community, who can really reflect back that he's experiencing this intentionality that we try so hard to lead out with, because we really try and lead out with the community and the relationships, as opposed to leading out with, well, here's a floor plan for the two bedroom, two bath unit. And it's this number of square feet, which is what so many people come to us initially looking for. And then once they get inside and they realize what we're really about, they realize, oh, this is what they mean by community first. And then we just throw in a place to live for free at the end. So I really thank you for kind of- well, My takeaway, Lynn, I just want to share my takeaway, which is yeah. nothing as grand or as insightful as yours. Mine is that PD is like a literal onion. He is like, every time you talk to PD, like we didn't even talk about the fact that he has went to divinity school. I know. Also like, has done, done like, like consensus-based, you know, political activism, like all kinds of stuff. Anyway, so I, my takeaway from it is thank you for coming PD. And I look forward to um, years of dinner with you because oh, yeah, sure. I think every meal is going to have a whole new story we didn't know about yeah, TV. So. I love that. <laughs> Thank you, and thanks to our listeners for stopping by today. We're so glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Co Housing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about co housing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Co-Housing Houston. So bye for now. We'll see you next week. And thanks again, PD. Thank you.